Good morning. Go ahead, turn in your Bibles to Hebrews 10, Hebrews 10, 19 with me here. If you can do two things at once while you're sitting there, it's turning to Hebrews 10, 19. Go ahead and move your leg up and down like this. You don't have to do 500 of them, but just make this simple movement right here. For the most part, everybody can do this, right? When I go into a home and I work with a patient who's just gotten out of the hospital or has just gotten over a sickness, this is the first thing that I teach them, this movement right here. The reason for that is if you can do this movement in sitting, then you can stand up and you can walk around. Because everything we do walking around, we pick our foot up and make this movement right here. So if a patient can't do this in sitting, I don't get them up and walk them around. Because I know they can't lift their leg to actually take a step. They can't lift their leg to go up a step. They can't lift their leg to get into a tub shower. They can't do things properly walking around wise if they can't do this very basic motion just in sitting. In that same way, Christian, how often do we view the gospel and understanding it as our very basic need to do anything else in our life? Think through that as we read the text here. Hebrews 10, 19 through 25 This is the word of God. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. As we start off with this text here, going through the lesson, we're going to do a little bit something new that we haven't done quite all that much. It's going to be great. You guys are going to love it. It's going to be fun. Group participation with it. So... The Hebrews, as Pastor Pierre had gone over before, kind of wraps itself around with the same idea kind of over and over and weaves in little different ideas with it. But to start our lesson off this morning, we want to kind of review what have we already learned or what do we already know from the Hebrews author. So I'm going to ask a question with it, just based on what we've already learned. Whoever has the answer, don't worry about raising your hand, just shout it out. First question, who has the Hebrews author been talking about? Jesus. Good. Where has the Hebrews author said that Jesus is located? Right hand of the Father. Yep, specific in that sense. Right hand of the Father or in heaven or in the holy place. So let's pretend or let's just say this is Matt, this is Dan, and then this is Ron. And let's say God is right here and Jesus is right here. Can can Matt, Dan, and Ron get to God on their own? No. A lot of uh, shaking heads, so no, of course not. But somebody explain why can't Matt, Dan, and Ron get to God on their own? There were whispers. The Spirit has to draw them. The Spirit has to draw them. Yep, that's one answer with it. Why? Or redraw them. Why else? Sinful nature. Matt, Dan, and Ron are sinful, so there's sin there. 
Why else? Impure conscience kind of goes with the sin nature, yes? They're not perfect. They're not perfect, but who is? Jesus. Jesus is perfect. God is holy. We have almost in a sense, do you remember from chapter 9, almost chapter 10, a little bit in chapter 8, the Hebrews author talking about the holy place. So in the tabernacle, there were the holy of holies that only the high priest could enter one day out of the year. Only the high priest, after performing sacrifices for himself, could actually go in past the curtain of that. In that same way, God and Jesus are in the Holy of Holies or the holy place. Matt, Dan, and Ron, in our sin, can't get to God on our own. But the Hebrews author has also said that Jesus is a high priest and that he has brought, as a high priest, a sacrifice that's been different than any of the sacrifices the Levites brought. Different in the sense that it's a once-for-all sacrifice, meaning he doesn't have to sacrifice himself again, meaning there doesn't need to be any other sacrifice. Jesus, in his sacrifice, took sin, then went to the grave with it. But did Jesus stay dead? No. He rose, thus opening the way for Matt, Dan, and Ron to draw near to God. So Jesus came and gave a new sacrifice, different than any of the Levites had given him, and also gave a living sacrifice living in the sense that he didn't stay in the grave. He rose again, thus taking the sin, opening the way for Matt, Dan, and Ron to draw near to God. Look down at verse, 20, or verse 19. Let's read 19 through 21 again and just kind of see how did we get there. Where is our review here? Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places, holy places being where God and Jesus are, by the blood of Jesus, the sacrifice that Jesus brought, by the new new being a sacrifice that the Levites had never brought before. This was completely new and different. And living, living in the way that the sacrifice that the Levites brought always stayed dead. But Jesus rose. He's a living sacrifice. By the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain. So he opened the way to the holy place. The curtain that was in the tabernacle, Jesus' sacrifice opened that for us to draw near to God. And since we have a great priest, Jesus over the house of God, where God dwells, where Jesus is. Does everybody see how we got to the very basics of the gospel there? And this, to us, should be just that, the very basics of the gospel. Now, let me address the elephant in the room right now. I don't have a handout. Dan will mark me down, don't worry. But if the handout was here, the title of the lesson would be Getting Back to the Basics. Getting back to the basics. So in the same way that I go into a patient's home and I teach them how to do this movement, because if they can't do this movement, they can't get up and walk. In that same way, Christian, we need to be thinking about the basics of the gospel being everything, the reason why we do what our Christian life calls us to do. So if I had a handout, the next three things in that handout would then say three exhortations the Hebrews author gives us. First one in verse 22, or verse 22, let us draw near. Second one is in verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope. And then in verse 24, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Three exhortations that the Hebrews author gives us in this text. And the one thing I want to say right at the very beginning of it, just, I kind of just said it, but 
These three exhortations all based off of this. Everything that Jesus did for us in sacrificing himself is the reason why we can draw near. It's the reason why we can hold fast to our confession of hope. It's the reason why we can consider how to stir each other up to love and good works. So everything that we go through in these three exhortations, it's not a moralism or a legalism. It's a derived right from everything that Jesus did in demonstrating God's love for us. The second thing to say about the three exhortations is don't see them as commands. They are commands, but in our culture, our language, to be commanded to do something also comes with a negative connotation of I'm forced to draw near to God or I have to hold fast to my hope or my confession and hope or I'm obligated to consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Don't see it in that sense. See it in the light that it is. It's an invitation to draw near. Brother and sister in Christ, you're invited to hold fast to the hope. You're invited to consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. So let's jump right in. Verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. We're invited to draw near to God, not because of anything that you and I have done, but because of everything that Jesus did. Everything that he did taking our sin, going to the grave. You and I did nothing to raise Jesus. God did that in Jesus' reverence. You and I did nothing to even ask for this gift of grace. God demonstrated all of that and in thus doing opened the new and living way so that we can draw near to God. So brother and sister in Christ, take a moment with this and consider what does it look like to draw near to God? Just to yourselves right now, just think, what does that actually mean, draw near to God? A few things that I came up with, and if you didn't get something, or if I don't get something that you just thought of, just shout it out afterwards, would be prayer. We can draw near to God in singing, reading His Word, studying His Word. We can draw near to God in fellowshipping, in serving one another, obedience, obedience meditating, Seeking forgiveness. Anybody else? Throw something else out. Communion. All of this to say, if we actually sit and think about how are different ways we can draw near to God, it's every facet of our life we could draw near to God. And the other thing is with this, when we look at after the Hebrews author exhorts us at the first part of 22, he goes into four conditions that the reader, or us, the genuine child of God, should be able to see in ourselves. Brother and sister in Christ, draw near to God because you now have a true heart. Draw near to God because you are now full assurance of faith. Your heart's been sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our body's been washed pure. Go back to the basics with this. The picture of baptism is us going into the water the same way Jesus went into the grave. Us covered with grotesque sin, us having an evil conscience, we go into the water, into the grave with Jesus, and not in anything of ourselves, but when Jesus is raised, we're raised with him. And not just are we united with him, but we're a new creation. We're fully transformed. We don't have that grotesque sin on us anymore. We don't have that evil conscience. We've been washed pure now by the water, by the blood of Jesus, 
Only by his sacrifice are we able to actually draw near, united with him and as a fully transformed new creation. So brothers and sisters in Christ, don't see this as a command. See this as an invitation to start us off with. Every facet of our life, we should be thinking, I'm in prayer, I'm drawing near to God. I'm fellowshipping on a Tuesday, I'm drawing near to God. I'm teaching, I'm being discipled on a Thursday morning, I'm drawing near to God. Every facet of our life, we should be thinking, I have been invited to draw near to God. And I did absolutely nothing to deserve any of that. Our second exhortation, look down at verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. Hold fast denotes that there's a risk of letting go, that there's a danger, there's, there's a possibility of letting go of the hope that we have in Jesus. Stop and consider what could put us at risk in that sense. What could put us at danger of letting go of the gospel? Temptation, suffering, persecution, those are fairly general things, and those are, yes, things that could put us in danger of letting go of the gospel. But again, those are general blanket things. Let's get a little more specific. What about losing your parent? Or what about seeing your child go through depression or anxiety, feeling powerless to help them? Dangers of losing or letting go of the gospel. What about seeing the effects of sin on the body? As you lose your eyesight, as you go through a miscarriage, those are fairly specific things. You could be sitting here thinking of a specific person in that specific situation. That's not my point to do that. My point is actually to say, in the last three years that I've been here, multiple people have lost their parent. Multiple people have seen their child go through depression or anxiety. Multiple people have seen the effects of sin on their body, losing their eyesight amongst other things. Multiple people have had miscarriage in our church body in the last three years alone that I've been here. My point in saying all of this is we have many people that are in need of being refreshed in this. We have many people. How often or how important is it to us as a body that we're reminding each other of this gift of grace, of this very basic thing that oftentimes we can overlook, but how important is it that on a daily basis we're reminding each other that we can draw near to God, that we can in prayer, that we can in fellowship, that we can in discipling, we can in serving each other, draw near to God. How important is that to each other in the light of you could be in danger right now of letting go, I could be in danger right now of letting go, and it might not be us today, but it might be us tomorrow. Certainly, we've had it in the past. How important is it that we together are holding fast to the confession of our hope? Because we could hang on to worldly wisdom, or we could hang on to poetic poems or wise sayings, but all of that's fleeting. What's actually going to last eternally is God's promise. God's promise that he sent his son took our sin, went to the grave with it, and then rose again. And it's nothing that you and I did to deserve any of that. But it's everything that God did through love. The, four, or the third exhortation. Brother and sister in Christ, in verse 24, you are invited 
to consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Take for a moment and just think on what does it mean, let us and one another. Let us and one another. I didn't go to seminary. I've never studied Greek for two or three years. I've never been quoted by Pastor Pierre in a Sunday school lesson, but I do have Google Translation. Google Translation says, that was, that was a hit at Dan, in case anybody wasn't here last week. That was, yeah, just make that obvious. I do have Google Translation, and Google Translation told me that when the Hebrews author says, let us and one another, the translation is in English, let us and one another. I know, it's not that in-depth, it's not that hard, but it is a point to say this is not necessarily evangelism in 19 through 25. This is a church body, church family, brother and sister in Christ. Let us consider how to stir up brother and sister in Christ, you and me. Let us come together and consider how do we stir up one another to love and good works. The other thing I want to point out with this exhortation, it doesn't say let us stir up one another to love and good works. It says consider how. The word consider means pretty much just stop. Think on this. Actually put thought into what does it look like to stir up one another to love and good works. We have to go right back to the basics with it really. Because Jesus is our primary example here. What does it look like to love one another? What does it look like to have Christ-like good works towards one another? Jesus was in the comfort of God's presence. He sat at God's right hand. He was in the comfort of being in the holy place. And yet he left that comfort to come and spend time with sinful man. Time that he could have been in the comfort of God's presence. He spends times with sin, spent time with sinful man and then gave his body to go to the grave for sinful man. So when we look at what did Jesus give up? How did Jesus demonstrate love? How did Jesus demonstrate good works? He gave up his comfort. He gave up his time. He gave up his body. How often do we view serving each other or sacrificing ourselves or suffering as Christ suffered in that same sense? Giving up our comfort, giving up our time, giving up our own body. Our first instinct, natural instinct, is to say, no, I don't have time for that. Or I don't, not, I'm not gifted in that area of service. Or I'm too tired or I'm burnt out. And understand, I'm not saying that there's no seasons of tiredness, there's no seasons of busyness, there's no seasons where you find yourself serving in an area where you're just not gifted and you should back out. I'm not saying that at all, but I am saying we keep those excuses right at our hip and we miss out on opportunities to serve or to exemplify what Jesus did for us. A couple months ago, I was talking with Josiah behind the soundboard and somebody had taken the uh, stool that used to be back there and taking it out from behind there because people would sit back there sometimes. I don't know who took it, but he forgot where he put it. And Josiah was saying, hey, where's the stool? My legs are tired. You know, I, I wish I could sit down. And I said to him, young blood, you're 13 years old. The amount of energy you have right now, you're never going to have again. And it's true, and it's funny. But then I stopped, and I considered myself. At 33 years old, I'm never going to have the same energy that I have right now either. 
how much am I sacrificing my energy and my body to be exemplifying what Christ did for me? Stop and consider how can we stir up one another to love and good works? You might be sitting here and you might be feeling the Spirit convict you in that, that I do need to be giving up more of my time. I do need to be giving up more of my body, more of my comfort. Or you might be on the other end of it. And you might be thinking, I need to re-examine myself. Maybe I'm knee-deep in a service or multiple services, and I need to re-examine myself and say, am I doing this with the attitude of what Christ did in serving and sacrificing and demonstrating that love and that joy to others? Because we could easily fall into the other end of the spectrum where we're doing it out of obligation, where we're doing it because we feel we have to. And brother and sister in Christ, if you find yourself in that area, go back to the basics and be refreshed. That it wasn't anything that you did, but it's a demonstration of what Christ did for you. That out of love, God sent Jesus to do this. Out of love, he opened the way for you to draw near, for you to be able to hold fast to your confession, for you to be able to be invited to consider how to stir up your other brothers and sisters in Christ. Be refreshed in that and understand whichever way the Spirit's convicting you in it, go with that. Understand you can draw near in prayer. You can be praying in that sense to how do I hold fast? Or even how do I get back to the basics? I've been very unspecific to say you know, this or that kind of service because each one of us is called in a different way. But here are two things that we can all be doing or be doing more of with it. And the first is just setting an example. Going back to the basics, praying to God, saying, give me more understanding of this. Allow me to be refreshed in this on a daily basis so I may exemplify with pure joy what Christ did for me. That I may be able to demonstrate that and others may be able to see it and then others may be able to imitate it. And Father, you alone be the one who's glorified. I mean, that's something that only really takes you and God. doesn't take anybody else to do. The second thing that we could do, build friendships in the church body. Building friendships in the church body. Did you know that we have 93 members in our church body? When Bernice told me, I didn't believe her. I went back and I actually looked it up and counted each head and then was like, oh, she's right. <laughs> I mean, she's not here right now, so don't anybody go out and just be like, hey, <laughs> guess what Matt said. But we have 93 members in our church body. This morning is actually a really, really good morning. I mean, we're actually pretty full in Sunday school right now. Praise God for that. But with that said, how many of us know half of that 93? How many of us would be able to say, that's my brother and sister in Christ? Because all 93 of us are called to draw near to God. All 93 of us together are to hold fast to the confession of our hope. All 93 of us together are to consider all 93 of us how to stir one another up to love and good works. And again, it's not because one person is greater than the other. It's only because Jesus exemplified that for us. Men, there's a barbecue coming up February 28th for Joe Gilliam. 
it's a great opportunity for you to build friendships in the church body. Older men, you have wisdom that younger generation doesn't have. You've raised children that the younger generation is in the process of raising right now. Younger men, it's a great opportunity to come and glean from these older men. Don't see the age difference as a hindrance. See it as a gift. Pastor Jeff had called me up back in April last year. He said, hey, so-and-so is home from college. He's done with college. He's living with his parents. He's in that gray area of he's trying to move out, but he doesn't have the career job just yet. You know, hang out with him, meet up with him, go over a book with him or something. My first initial thought was, this kid's like a decade younger than me. This kid's like 21, 22 years old. What do I have in common with this kid? But we meet, and on the second time that we're actually hanging out, going through this book, this area comes up in the book of building relationships or friendships in the church body, particularly with people who are not of your same age. And he made the remark, you know, I, I couldn't see that in our church, me being able to do that. And I, I just said, well, why not? He was like, well, I mean, there's too many older guys in the church. I don't have a whole lot in common with them. And you think about the Bobby Ray's guy. He's, you know, he's much older than I am. What do I have in common with him? <laughs> Bobby Ray's and I are both 33 years old. But you better believe I sat there, looked that kid in the eye, and said, could you imagine the two of us hanging out with an old guy like Bobby Ray's? Two young, good-looking guys with heads of hair hanging out with Widow Pete, Bobby Ray's. He didn't know our age difference, or at least he didn't care about our age difference. The only thing he cared about was that we were centered around the Word of God. Because honestly, we didn't have a whole lot in common at all. The only thing I cared about is that we were centered around the Word of God. Don't see age as a hindrance. See it as a gift. See it as a way that you can be used by God to encourage, to benefit, to be blessed. See it as an invitation that you have to consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. When we go out to meet with the rest of the body, 93 members. Now granted, eight of them are in the, uh, in the uh, ministry, children's ministry, Five or six of them are shut-ins. Rebecca Long, technically you're a shut-in, but I don't, you're not a shut-in because <laughs> you're here. <laughs> Praise God for that. But with 93, we've got 73 chairs in here. I counted all 73 of them. You know, there's a lot of empty seats here. How can we go into the body and consider to stir up the others to be coming to Sunday school, to be attending Sunday service regularly? Again, not in a, hey, you need to do this, you're forced to do this, but in a loving way, in a, our souls feed off of Sunday morning lessons. Whether it be the Sunday school lesson or whether it be the sermon, our souls feed off of the Word of God. And then more so, or equally, how can we consider how to stir up one another to be meeting throughout the week? So not just on Sunday mornings. I've I'm off the, off the uh, text, but look down at 25. 
Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. So not neglecting to meet together, one would think that's Sunday morning. But it's also Monday morning. It's also Tuesday or Wednesday evening, community group. It's also Thursday or Friday morning, Bible studies. Could be a Saturday morning or a Saturday afternoon. Brother and sister in Christ, you're invited to draw near to God no matter what day of the week it is. You're invited to draw near to God no matter what the activity is. Not because of anything you've done, but because of everything that Jesus did. Brother and sister in Christ, we together are invited to hold fast to the confession of our hope. We together are invited to suffer with each other, to be encouraging each other, to be reminding and refreshing each other, to be used by God to rejuvenate each other, not on some of our own worldly wisdom, but on this right here, this eternal thing that we have, that we didn't even earn or gain. Jesus gave it to us. God gave it to us completely out of love, completely out of grace. How can we consider how to stir up one another, not just on Sunday mornings, but all through the week? The very last thing is the urgency of this. So the Hebrews author notes at the end of 25, encourage one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The day that Jesus returns. Nobody knows. Only God the Father knows. Could be today, could be a year, could be 10 years. But the urgency in wanting to serve God, in wanting to accept this invitation that we can build each other up, that we can be used by God to point each other back to the basics. Because if we aren't reminding each other the basics of the gospel, we're walking around like this in our Christian life. This isn't walking right here. This isn't doing this movement of picking the leg up. And it's the same thing in our Christian life if we aren't being refreshed being rejuvenated in the gospel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word being spoken, and we give you and you alone the praise and the glory for it. Lord, we pray for boldness as we enter the sanctuary and we go to be with the rest of the church family. Father, we pray for boldness that you would speak through us for ones who have not been here on a consistent basis, Father, that we wouldn't go out of an obligation saying you need to be here because, because, but Father, that we would go in a loving and a joyful in a way that's exemplifying Christ-like love and good works, in a way that's sharing the testimony of you're invited, brother. You're invited, sister, to draw near to God. Father, that you would press this in on us, not just today, but next week, next month, for the rest of this year, Father, continue to grow us in this way. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.